Hello and welcome to The Raw, your Sunderland Echo SAFC podcast, where we're back after Christmas. We've dusted ourselves back off after our brief festive break and are ready to dive right into the goings-on at Sunderland AFC over the last week or so, because for all that hasn't been football, there's been no shortage of talking points from the Stadium of Light, not least, of course, regarding the ownership of the club. Joining me today, Mark Donnelly, are Phil Smith and James Copley. And I guess there's only one place to start, Phil, and that's with the news that came out on Christmas Eve afternoon that Stuart Donald has agreed a deal to sell his majority stake in Sunderland to Cairo Louis-Dreyfus. The ins and outs of the deal in terms of the financials involved and the percentages are still a little bit unclear, but hopefully a little bit of clarity and a a change in ownership that supporters have, have craved pretty much for a year since that Donald out campaign began. Yeah, I think it was um, it's so it's it's amazing, really, in terms of you don't really kind of realise it until it happens. But that sense of almost like a little weight being lifted, really, because I think that you know, twenty twenty has been a year when you know we've debated tactics, managers, signings, youngsters, um, points per game tables, you know, all these various different things, but it's kind of been always with the caveat that the most important thing in terms of the football club is the takeover and the ownership situation. And until there's some tangible progress on that, we can debate all the other stuff and it's important, but you know, it's kind of the, not the most important thing that was always going to be the takeover. So I think there was a sense of relief on my part, certainly when, when the news was announced, the timing was, um, you know, nice in some ways and not so nice in other ways when I just put my feet up and opened the wine and put that uh, Kristen Stewart Christmas film on which swiftly had to be uh, paused and abandoned but um, I think it just gives us that kind of you know hope that we might be moving into a, a, a better period because I think that while as you say we don't know the exact kind of breakdown of the shares and what have you and that is obviously going to be very important to actually is making day-to-day decisions etc I think the clear inference that Louis Dreyfus will have the control and stake is is what people wanted. It gives the chance, the club a chance at real tangible change. Um, and obviously a lot of the things in the statement, yes, we wait to see them be delivered upon. That's the most important thing. But a lot of these things are what sports have been calling for. You know, an investment in research, data, analytics, the academy, things that we haven't seen um, for the past two and a half years. So yeah, it certainly it felt like a little bit of a weight being lifted. And while obviously, you know, actions are far more important than words, it does just allow us to look towards 2021 in, in a more optimistic way, I think. And James, there obviously is going to be a lot of scepticism around this, given what Sunderland fans have been through over the last couple of years. And a lot of people might be a little bit, you know, reserving judgment a little bit on things. But it's hard not to get excited, particularly when you look at the family the, the wealth that, that potentially could be behind Cairo Louis-Dreyfus because this isn't like some takeovers where you're scrapping around trying to find information on how much people are worth. There's very, very provable finance there. There's very provable money there. And, and for that reason, it's quite an exciting time for Sunderland fans. Yeah, I really enjoyed his um, interview with Lequeep, which I think you um, translated for the Sunderland Echo. I don't know how good your, your French is, Mark, but um, it, was a, it was a good read. And he said but- he's... It's better than yours by the sounds of it, mate. Lequeep. Lequeep, isn't it? That's what it's called. How do you pronounce it, Phil? Well, my French isn't great, but I'm guessing it's Lequeep. But... Oh, well, I'm going with Lequeep. I'm just a simple lad from Hendon, Phil. 
But anyway, yeah, the, the rhetoric in that um, Lequeep article was very promising, I thought. Um, he sort of said that he'd, he'd sort of fallen out of love with football maybe a little bit, but he realises suddenly such a big project and such a big club that it's sort of reignited his excitement again, which is good to hear. And he, he suggested that he'd been limited in what he could do at Marseille and his, his family had been limited in what they could do at Marseille. But in Sunderland, he sees something that he can, he can really work on. There's always going to be some sort of scepticism from Sunderland fans, um, especially given recent events and recent takeovers. And I think that's it's completely understandable and completely right as well because we gave, well, most Sunderland fans gave Stuart Donald and Charlie Methven sort of free reign in the beginning to to kind of do and say what they want because everything was going well and maybe some things were overlooked um, and that sort of came crashing down and, and Sunderland fans are being birthed. So I think there will be a, a keener eye on on whether promises are delivered. And Phil, obviously, you know, the financials behind Kyle Louis-Dreyfus, you know, the, the money involved in his family has got a lot of people excited. And for all that may not come to the fore entirely in League One with the salary cap that we, we know oh too well about, what it does potentially do if some of that money does filter down into Sunderland is give Sunderland a chance to really build up that structure, which is something that we've spoken about for a long time on here, is that making a structure and building the club up to, to the point they maybe used to be at. Yeah, this is my third attempt to answer this due to various internet issues. So hopefully this will be a flawless response. <laughs> no, I think that um, I think there's probably kind of two aspects to it. I think one is that I think one of the fears for Sunderland fans, it's kind of a weird one because you always want to say you have to show League One respect and you can't talk about the championship until you get out of League One. But I think we've all been looking at it sort of this season and last season going, okay, we want to get out of League One, but the Championship looks like a pretty daunting task right now. Obviously, what this takeover does is gives you some confidence that if, hopefully, this season or the season after or whenever, Sunderland will actually be able to go into the Championship and have a little bit of it, make a fist of it, um, which is kind of really reassuring. But I think more generally on the finances, I think the club's in quite a promising position in that people aren't looking at this takeover and saying, oh, great, we can now go and spend millions on players. I think everybody understands that not only can you not do that because of the salary cap, actually that's probably not the most pressing thing that the club needs. It is those structural things that need to be addressed that have been neglected over the last two and a half years. Top of the list is the academy, you know, reversing that player drain that's gone on, you know, putting the investment in so that the damage that's been done in the last couple of years can be undone and that the category one status can be preserved and protected. So, you know, I think it is, you know, while there is no getting past the fact that having a, a strong, an owner in a very, very strong financial position is definitely a positive thing. Um, I think it's also, it feels like there's a bit of an alignment between owner, potential new owner, staff and supporters in terms of what needs to happen. And spending money on first team players um, is only quite a small part of that. And I think that is quite a good position to be in. Here we go. We got through it. Third time's a charm. Finally got through it. Phil will never have to hear me ask that question again. Um, James, as a, as a Sunderland fan, what would you like to see Cairo Louis-Dreyfus' kind of first priorities be? You know, presuming everything as, as thought goes to, to plan with the EFL checks, no parties are anticipating any kind of issues with that. What would you like to see his first priorities be once he kind of gets himself into that, that position at the uh, stadium of light? I think more structure. I think they've alluded to... In the in the comments when the takeover was announced, to getting a, a more um, 
a more balanced sort of re- recruitment strategy in place, more data-driven. Um, I think that would probably need to happen sooner rather than later because it is an area which has let Sunderland down maybe over well over the the Premier League era as well. Um, so yeah, I would I would be excited to to see what happens with that. And there was a quote in there from uh, Dreyfus that said like a, a production line of talent from the from the uh, under 23s to the first team, which I like the sound of that a lot. So yeah, I think that should be his uh, his first priority. Obviously, the the hope is that deal will go through in the middle of January, as per the club statement. They lodge documents with the EFL on Christmas Eve, but obviously, given the, the festive period, that's not expected that that deal will be waived through as quickly as potentially it would have been other times during the year. Uh, so, in the shorter term, obviously, Sunderland do have the the January transfer window on the horizon that opens later this week. Phil, it's um, going to be a bit of a strange transfer window. We've already heard a lot of managers saying that. You know, they're not expecting it to be too busy, certainly not in the early weeks of the window. And it's not likely to be a, you know, a hugely busy one at Sunderland in terms of a lot, lot of ins and outs. But there is a little bit of room for, for Lee Johnson to potentially do something. And it'll be an interesting transfer window purely because it's his first. Yeah, I think so. I mean, he's kind of already, you know, he's been very, very strong, actually, and very, very clear in saying that by and large, he thinks the quality of the squad's pretty good. Um. So that tells you he's probably not planning, you know, a huge overhaul this month. And that kind of makes sense. As we all know, the vast majority of this squad is out of contract in the summer. So that's going to be a much more kind of natural opportunity to make larger scale changes. And so what we're probably kind of expecting is one or two changes to the squad. He's already alluded to the fact that loans might be the best option because, as we know, there's only room for one more player over the age of 21 in terms of the, the squad cap. Um, and I don't think it's going to be an easy window to move players out because it's something we've talked about in the past whereby, you know, the players who aren't getting in someone's team at the moment are all commanding a pretty good wage for this level. And it's not going to be easy to find another suitor, particularly given the current uncertainty that's going on with the league and the pandemic and what have you. So I do think I, w- I wouldn't be surprised at all if we saw a couple of young loan players come in. Johnson's already said that he doesn't mind taking a punt on the player who's a bit raw if they bring a little bit of pace to the squad. Um, so yeah, I think I think we'll see. I would expect to see one or two loans come in, particularly in the forward areas. But I don't think there'll be huge change. Remember as well that you know he's also said that he'll give opportunities to young players if they grasp it. And Jack Diamond is a player who's done that. So I would expect that to have an impact as well. In terms of potential outgoings, James, you know potentially we could see some of the younger players maybe head out. During January, are there any of those kind of under twenty three, you know, young youngsters that are on the periphery of the first team squad that you think would really benefit from a loan move somewhere else in the pyramid just to get that senior football under their belt? I think definitely maybe Mitch Curry up front. I know he made his um debut against Wimbledon off the bench. He could probably do with some regular first team football and possibly as well, although we don't know how Lee Johnson's going to utilise him, but I would really like to see Elliot Embleton either get a long run in the team in the first team start eleven, or try and go out somewhere on loan again, maybe at the bottom end of League One or the top end of League Two, and and really cement himself as a regular and build up that match fitness and and try and sort of make more of an impact. I think that wouldn't be a bad idea, but I also accept that he's a he's a well he's a fairly good option off the bench as a squad player. He has got a bit of quality. He can potentially change a game, so. I don't know if that would happen, but I'm quite keen to see him play a little bit more than he has. Plenty of uh, off-field talk so far. I mean, there's not a great deal for us to talk about 
on the pitch, given that Sunderland haven't played since that AFC Wimbledon game. But Phil, we have seen obviously this. You know, we're recording this on the 29th of December. There were supposed to be 12 League One fixtures tonight, seven of which have have already been postponed. It's a really difficult moment for the EFL and, and for League One in particular because there's a lot of games falling by the wayside and the scheduling is going to get trickier and trickier. And for Sunderland in particular, it's going to be a very, very busy kind of opening five months to 2021 because they're going to have to play a lot of games in a short amount of time. Yeah, I mean, I suppose that in terms of the actual scheduling, I think that's something I don't think there's a huge concern about because as it stands, there's probably still enough time to get the games played, albeit in a very congested manner. And I do still think for League One and League Two, I I, I think there'll be an option to extend the season realistically. I know obviously the Euros does present a challenge, but I think if it came to it, I think that you know that's a pragmatic solution that I think clubs would consider. Obviously, the the main thing is whether they can keep the players safe, because as we've seen in recent weeks, not just at Sunderland but also at Newcastle, you know the the, the virus doesn't just affect you know ordinary people. You know professional athletes can become very ill from this illness as well, and we've seen that. So, I think the bigger question for me is not so much about the scheduling; it is just about whether we can keep the keep the players safe, because obviously it's a very uncertain time, and you know I'm. You know, barely understand football, never mind science. So, but you know, when we're looking at new strains and things like that, obviously there's a lot of concern there. And you know, the protocols that we're currently put in place to keep the players safe, and which, to be fair to the AFL, you know, for the first three, four months of the season, did do a pretty good job of keeping the players safe. You know, that I'm guessing there's some question marks of whether those protocols are still, you know, relevant and exactly where they need to be for for what's going on at the moment with you know in relation to the virus and the pandemic. So, I think. Yeah, it's 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 a big challenge. It's it's a difficult one because I am biased. I want to keep football going because, you know, <laughs> very obviously because it's my work, but I just think more generally, you know, I've found having football backs being really good for me in terms of just helping to deal with, you know, the world and what's going on in it. So, you know, I am really hopeful that it can continue in some capacity. Um, but I admit I am biased and also that, you know, clearly the, the safety and the well-being of the players is absolutely paramount. And at the moment, there does seem to be a little bit of a question mark over that. As it stands, Sunderland, though, will be back in action at the weekend at, at Northampton Town. It'd be their first game since that, that 1-1 draw with Wimbledon. James and Northampton being a bit of a strange side this year because they've got a couple of, of eye-catching results but find themselves at the, the wrong end of the table. But if we've learned anything during Sunderland's time in League One, it's that, you know, there's certainly no easy three points and it's going to be tough for any team, I guess, to, to pick themselves up after such a long period without a game, without being able to train as a group for a large spell of that as well. It's going to be a really interesting one to see how it all unfolds. Yeah, there are, they are a stranger on Northampton Town, you're right. 21st with 18 points, um, but Wigan are 23rd with 16 points and obviously Wigan beat Sunderland. So you never quite know in this division um, and it will be interesting to see how Sunderland are when they get back and Obviously, Lee Johnson won't have had much time with them on the training field and whatnot, but has he managed to get into them sort of mentally and has he managed to um, set clear expectations and work on the strategy and the tactics side of it a bit more? Um, hopefully, we'll be able to be able to see some of that. But, I mean, you'd expect that they would feel, although certainly depending on how the virus has hit them, a lot of them will feel maybe refreshed and revitalised and eager to get back onto the field and with the talks around the club and a new dawn, a new manager, um, 
you'd hope that there'll be a lot of um, a lot of willingness and a lot of eagerness to to get back out there and really make a statement and and prove to Sunderland fans and to the rest of League One and to the new owner coming in that this team can be contenders. And Phil, what are you expecting from Saturday's game? Because Northampton, a team Sunderland haven't played in a, in a fairly long time, obviously not played them this season, and a team probably that people don't know a great deal about. Yeah, I mean, just from from looking at their results this season, they're not a team I know a huge team know a huge amount about, but they seem to have picked up very important results against the teams around them, and have struggled when they've played against teams sort of up towards the top. So, you know, hopefully Sunderland can continue that trend, but. Certainly, Keith Kerr's teams always tend to be pretty physical, pretty direct. I think that's a challenge Sunderland are much better suited to dealing with than they were maybe when they first dropped down in the division. Um, but it, it is a huge unknown because we just don't know what the players, you know, what, what physical capacity they're going to have, um, not just because they haven't been able to train as much, but also those who have suffered from the virus, you know, how, it's, how they're going to respond to that and what their recovery is going to be like. It's still... You know, for even for the the best medical staff in the country in terms of football and what have you, that it's still an un, unknown about what what toll this ha- takes. So, it's going to be a really interesting one. Um, but you know, hopefully, you know, I think my understanding is most, if not all, the players were out of isolation by today. So hopefully, there will at least be some time on the training ground to get to get some structure in, and hopefully, they can kind of get the core of that side that beat Lincoln so convincingly. Um, kind of get them on the pitch and start rebuilding that momentum because you know it was such a um, such a frustration that after that Lincoln game you know you had that home game a couple of days later and you were desperate to kind of see if we could get some momentum building and obviously for for all sorts of reasons weren't able to do that so yeah it it feels like an odd game at the moment in terms of it's very difficult to predict or, or look forward to because you've just got no idea exactly what to expect really and you know the world we're living in at the moment like three, four days seems an awful long way away, doesn't it? It feels like an awful lot can happen between now and then. But, you know, fingers crossed we can get back to action because, you know, I can only speak for myself, but I'm I'm certainly missing it an awful lot. So, yeah, fingers crossed. And Phil will be speaking to Sunderland head coach Lee Johnson on New Year's Day ahead of that game. Thank you, as ever, for tuning in to The Raw. As ever, we'll have all the latest Sunderland AFC news on sunlandecho.com throughout the week with all the build-up to that game at Northampton on Saturday. Please do like, rate and subscribe and make sure you head to the Echo website for details of our digital sports subscription pass. Thank you once again for listening.